return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. We need all the lights on, don't we? Here, hallelujah, hallelujah, Holy Spirit, we love you. Thank you that you're our helper our encourager, our counselor. Thank you for the life and light of the Holy One. Jesus, we adore you. We love you. Mm, We give ourselves anew to you. Bless this class in Jesus' name. So um, I'm talking about seeing the one who's invisible. I did a page in my book recently. (coughs) It's called 365 Days a Year Without Fear. Well, i got to get rid of the junk. I haven't talked too much this morning. What? No, I don't need a cough drop. I don't. I really don't. It'll clear up in Jesus' name. Honestly, I haven't talked too much today yet. (laughs) Anyway, it's called A Year Without Fear, and there's 365 days, obviously, in a year, and I'm still only on page 228, so i got a ways to go, but... Anyway, I was dealing with this wonderful verse from Hebrews 11.27 about Moses. Such a giant of a man, you know, but he's a little bit more, I think, like you and me than we realize. So let's just take a minute and dig in, a couple minutes this morning. Hebrews 11.27, we're actually going to start at verse 24. We'll read it first from the New American Standard Bible. I mean, we think that this man was way above average, but was he really? Was he way above average? Was his life just laid out for him, this easy, easy journey? No. There were a lot of difficult moments and a lot of tough choices that he went through. The Bible says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the temporary pleasures of sin. Next. Verse 26, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches, this is a choice, than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he persevered as though he, as though he saw someone who is unseen. NIV, starting in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, it's coming, right? Of course it is. refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, 
He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Just stop for a moment now. Just consider some of these things that he's dealing with. This choice. Do I side with Pharaoh as his daughter, the, the daughter of the grandson of Pharaoh? Do I choose the mistreatment of the people of God? And then he's dealing with the choice in verse 26. All the riches, all the treasures of Egypt, all the significance of being the top dog of the country, or, again, the treasure of heaven. Jesus. Is it working? Yep. All right, well, it doesn't feel like it is, but. Thanks for your patience. And then, of course, the last big issue is the fear of the king and how to deal with fear. I don't know, maybe you have a few temptations in your life, like he was dealing with. Just maybe you're dealing with some big authority figure in your life who's intimidating you. Maybe there's some fear, some anxiety. Maybe we're a little more like Moses than we realize, right? Uh, Let's go over then to the Message Bible. We're just going to read verse 24 there, where it explains that when, maybe, of course he is. Well, it's a quick verse, and I had told him he could skip this one if he wanted to. So here it is. Message Bible. By faith, Moses, when he was grown, refused The privileges, that's kind of a big word. I mean, we would sure like privilege and comfort over choosing the hard life with God's people. An opportunistic, soft life of sin versus the hard life with God's people. He valued suffering in Messiah's camp far greater than Egyptian wealth because, 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 because. Here's the big thing. He was looking ahead anticipating the big eternal payoff. Hallelujah. So let's go over then. Were you able to get the Amplified for us? I thought I saw it up on the screen. Yes. Motivated by faith, he left Egypt behind, being unawed, undismayed by the wrath of the king. What if we could say that about the fears in our life? Unawed, like it doesn't move me. Undismayed. 
by the wrath of the king or whoever the authority figure is in your life, shouting and screaming, you have to do this, you have to say this, you have to be this. He never flinched but held staunchly to his purpose and endured steadfastly as one who gazed on him who is invisible. So again, we read this story with the whole mentality, the whole story of Moses, thinking, well, he was meant to live. There's no doubt. He was meant to succeed. Yeah, from our vantage point. But consider what he was born into. I mean, do you understand that his parents, the whole family, the whole clan was despised. They were hated. They were abused. They were living um, far from... The Egyptians were rich. They were a prosperous nation, very knowledgeable, a lot of wisdom and and the treasures of Egypt was a big deal. But the entire Israelite clan, when we're talking about a lot of people, were living in this low place, being despised, used and abused. The fear was so intense, there were so many of them, that the entire Egyptian hierarchy had, first of all, they started by calling in the midwives, the big head man called in the Hebrew midwives, kill all those male babies. I mean, a little intimidating, yes? Or like it's your life. Well, they went through their own crisis of faith, but they decided, we're not doing this. We're going to honor our God instead of this great, big, intimidating leader in our, in our country, in our land. And uh, next thing, what they do next, we're going to get control here. We're not going to let all these people rise up and take over our land. So next, they send the soldiers out to these little houses. You know, one commentator said they probably lived in tents or huts, but I got to thinking, I don't know how that could be because the Bible talks about, um, you know, when the plagues were going on and there was the light issue. And the Bible says that God's people still had light in their houses. Not sure how that all happened. That was a God thing. You know, that could very well happen down the road, even whatever we go through. We will always have that presence and that supernatural power in our life. Hallelujah. So it's all because they were so afraid of the Israelites. So they send the soldiers to these places where God's people lived, grabbing the babies, the little children, every little boy under the age of two. It was a horrendous time, throwing in them into the river. I mean, think of the grief and the anger and the helplessness that these people felt. And Moses was born smack dab in the middle of all of this. Like with a price on his head from the minute he was born. And of course, we know this story, how the mother put that little baby boy in this basket, covered it with this tar, put it in the river. Talk about faith, right? And what does God do? It's the Pharaoh's daughter that hears the baby cry. It's the Pharaoh's daughter that picks that baby up and names him. She got to name him. Hallelujah. And of course, it's fun to see how God arranged for Jochebed, his true mother, to be able to nurse that baby and hold that baby and sing over that child and probably taught him everything she could get into his little heart and mind because they didn't wean those babies until three or four years old in those days. Then Moses took up his residence in the palace, and all of a sudden now he's the grandson 
of Pharaoh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and he was trained, he was educated in the, the, the best of Egypt. Now, let's look at Acts chapter 7, verse 22. He had to be able to communicate with the highest of the land. He had to be one of the most knowledgeable of, of all the people. Mo, um, whoops, we don't have it yet. Acts chapter 7, verse 22. This is in the, the big sermon of Stephen. Um, it says, Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and deeds. And then, of course, to me, I keep remembering, well, he told God he had this stuttering problem. I don't know when that all started. But he was mighty, the Bible says, in words and deeds. And when he was full 40 years old, 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. So we don't know what age was he when he became aware of this. I, I think there was this tension in him the whole time. Who am I? Where do I fit? What's my real purpose in life? I mean, I'm guessing his mother told him some things from the beginning of the hope she had that they were waiting for deliverance from this terrible slavery. We don't know. I just know that there was this tension within him. Do you ever struggle with that? Where do I fit? What do, what do I really, what am I supposed to do? What's my true destiny, my real purpose in life? I believe Moses dealt with this tension all the time. Now, it says that he, uh, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And at some point he was so disturbed that he went out. We have this story in Exodus chapter 2, verses 13, 14, and 15, where he saw this discrepancy. He, he was, well, here's the story. The next day he went out again. Is this the right one? Yes. Well, this is the day after. Okay, so the first time, what happened was he saw them being abused, his people, the, the Hebrews, and he killed a man trying to solve this, this issue. He, he thought maybe he was justified, nothing was going to happen, but this is what happens. He goes the next day, and he sees two Hebrew men fighting. He spoke to the man, why are you hitting your neighbor? The man shot back, who do you think you are? telling us what to do. Are you going to kill me the way you killed that Egyptian? And Moses panicked. Word has gotten out. People know about this. Verse 15 says, Pharaoh heard about it and tried to kill Moses, but Moses got away to the land of Midian and he sat down by a well. I believe Moses had been struggling for quite a while with this. Who am I? Where do I fit? The Egyptians expect this of me. And I guess I failed to say, um, according to Josephus, Moses was a big hero in the land. He had done won a whole lot of significant battles. He was a tremendous soldier and a great warrior in the land. So I'm sure he's thinking thoughts like, well, the Egyptians expect this of me. And, and then there's the Hebrews. And there's this sense of who do I belong to? And and obviously, the, the Hebrews weren't exactly accepting him either at this point, right? I can't meet the expectations of my grandfather. I can't ex- meet the expectations of the Hebrews. And so he lands in Midian. Now, I'm thinking for a while it probably was kind of nice. 
you know, I don't, I'm tired of the fight in Egypt. I'm, I'm just going to sit down here by this well. And of course, you know the story. He, um, he works for Jethro, taking care of the sheep. He finds a wife. So it's, it's not all bad, right? He, he has a family to love. He has some nice sheep who don't talk back to him. And he gets to feed them and water them and does get to do a lot of walking, a lot of thinking time. I'm thinking that he learned how to commune with this um, almighty God that he had heard about. Um, it was a time of preparation. You know, all the commentators explain that. Not just for Moses, and it was a hiding place for him, but also the whole land of Egypt, things were coming to a head. I mean, it was just like this pot was boiling over there in Egypt. God was setting things up. <coughs> now, I don't know if you realize, but Moses named his first son Gershom. I believe that's in verse 22. The priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away. This is another side of Moses, this business. You saw this um, when he first had this problem of killing that Egyptian, because it was justice. There was this need within within Moses to, to get justice, to take care of people who were dealing with oppression and hardship. And we see it here again. The shepherds were coming and driving these women away. But here Moses, he stood up and helped these women. This is the first encounter he had with the women, the girls, the daughters, the seven daughters of Jethro. Now, then he married this girl, the oldest daughter, Zipporah. She bare him a son and he called his name Gershom. Notice what Gershom means. I have been a stranger in a strange land. Now, I really genuinely, I think this is the story of Moses' life. I think he felt like a stranger. I think he felt like a stranger in Egypt. I think he felt like a stranger in Pharaoh's house. I think he felt like a stranger amongst the Hebrews. I think he felt like a stranger in Midian. He's always dealing with this struggle of where do I fit? Who am I really? And what's my real purpose in life? And our entire younger generation, friends, is dealing with this in a big, big way. I mean, if you pay attention at all to their struggle with their identity. So from our vantage point, we can see that God had already destined him for greatness, Moses. He was supposed to be the mighty deliverer of of, um, Israel. And I already talked to you about that longing for justice that's in him. There's some other things that we see about Moses. This this deep-seated meekness within Moses. We see this all through his life. The other one is this gift of leadership, which I don't know that Moses knew. I mean, as a warrior, as this significant hero, these things came to the top in Moses. It's just like you and me. Certain gifts kind of rise to the top at certain times, and then we think, well, okay, but maybe it's not a big deal. (laughs) You know, I mean, God's always working in our lives, isn't he? Always (laughs) trying, preparing us for what's next. So for Moses, he's in Midian, you know, a few years. I don't know how old he was when he had Gershom, but he hangs out in Midian 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. 
I mean, the years just keep going by. Just keep going by. And maybe at this point he said, you know, well, maybe this is the best it's going to be. Maybe, you know, I have this family to love. I have these sheep who don't talk back to me. I don't have people expecting too much of me. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, 40 years have gone by, and God says it's time. And there's this appearance of God in this flame of fire in the bush. And again, we're going to read from Acts chapter 7, when the Lord appeared to him. He said to him, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with terror. He did not dare to look. And then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans. I have come down to rescue them. Now go. I am sending you. Egypt. And of course we know Moses had a ton of excuses. I can't talk. It can't be me. But God had his way and Moses did lead his people out of Egypt and into the promised land. So our question today is how? How did it happen? What made the big difference for Moses that he could step out of this struggle of who am I? Where do I fit? What's my real purpose in life? How did he get to the place of being the mighty deliverer and to fulfill God's destiny for him? How did he deal with the fear? I mean, there was a lot of fear with this big, intimidating authority figure in his life, right? How did he deal with the temptations of the Bible? talked about the pleasures of sin for a season. That's actually how King James phrases his choice. Um, How did he deal with the choices between the riches of Egypt and the reproach and the affliction? It's all really in our key verse here that we are meditating on today. So let's look at that again. Hebrews 11, 27. And I would like to read it from the New Living Testament. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eye on the one who is invisible. First of all, it's faith that moved Moses. Even in his struggle, even in the tension of trying to discover who am I, where do I fit, the Bible says his eyes were on the one who is invisible. The New King James says he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king. Now, That's really how we found peace in the middle of the storm. I know every one of us are going through some kind of a storm. It might be brewing on the inside of you. It might be brewing on the outside of us, right? He was fearless because by faith he saw the greater reality. The new King James, is that what, uh, there it is. He endured. I mean, that's a big word. He persevered. He persevered as seeing the one who is invisible. <clears throat> now, I don't know if we can grasp that Pharaoh was a very real and dominant force in his life. But Moses was able to see the one greater than the king, greater than Pharaoh. And in our world, too, there's great big dominating figures announcing and saying, and you have to do this, you have to be this. <laughs> oh, I don't know, all of a sudden I'm remembering this issue where um, someone I'm very close to was called into by some authority figures in her life. 
who should have been kinder, but they just tore her to shreds. Just tore her to shreds saying, you aren't doing this, and you aren't doing this, and you aren't like this. And I mean, she was just wiped out for weeks. Like, okay. I mean, we're supposed to be encouraging one another. We're supposed to be lifting one another up. That's the, in, that's the funny thing, isn't it? The enemy is always taking you down, down, down. But if we'll just get our gaze on the one who's invisible, he always wants to lift us up. Pharaoh sat on a very visible throne with visible subjects. He had a visible kingdom with a visible army. But Moses was able to see the God who's invisible, the Lord who has an invisible throne, an invisible kingdom, an invisible army. We're talking, remember David talked about the armies of the living God. We've got to be able to see those things, friends, and that's only going to happen by faith. So I did ask you to get that new verse. Were you able to find the voice Bible for Hebrews 11.1? 1? Puts it like this. <clears throat> Faith is the assurance of things you have hoped for. Assurance. We're talking about deep-seated assurance. It's the absolute conviction that there are realities you've never seen. Whew! Hallelujah. And friends, that's how Moses endured. That's how he persevered. That's how he dealt with the fears. The fear, the wrath of the king. That's how he dealt with the temptations. The pleasures of sin. I mean, there are things pulling every one of us. Like, come on, this would be the easy way. This would be the comfortable way. The, the world's doing it this way. There's always that pull. How do we deal with our temptations we get our gaze on the one who is invisible. Hallelujah. I don't know if you realize this, but what we give our attention to, friends, that's what's going to counsel you. Well, how do I put it like this? Say discouraging thoughts come into your mind. Ever happened? Oh, yes, of course. And if we allow it, they just tend to pile on. Have you ever noticed? If you give a little more, a little extra attention, or say to an offense that happened, you start thinking about that offense, remembering what was said and the nasty way it was said. And pretty soon, the enemies got you remembering, and then there was your third grade teacher, and then there was those other people that never liked you either. I mean, he just piles it on. But if we will give attention to the one who adores us, who loves us, who cherishes us, the realities of the kingdom of who really is on the throne, then that gets bigger. Whatever we give our attention to gets bigger in our lives. Whatever we give attention to in our lives is what is going to counsel us and direct us and mold our life and have something to say. So um, I'd like to close then with uh, Isaiah 26, 3. I realize that usually this verse is only used when we're looking for peace of mind, which isn't a bad deal, right? <laughs> it's one of the nicest, most glorious kingdom realities that there is, is the peace of God. But I want to keep reminding you, I, I don't know where, it was a story I guess I read in uh, the Copeland magazine that opened my brain up to, my heart up to, you will keep him in perfect peace. That's actually the word shalom, shalom. You know, you can rewrite this verse ten different ways. 
What's one of the meanings of shalom? Yes, peace and tranquility. You, almighty God, will keep me in tranquility because my mind stayed on you. Because I decided I'm trusted in you. Or you could rewrite it like this. You, my almighty God, my eternal Father, you will keep me in, what's another meaning of shalom? Protection. Safety. I will be kept safe. The verse for the day today on you version was, I will lay down in safety and the Lord will give me sweet sleep. Whew. I mean, uh, you will keep me in, here's another meaning, health. That's another meaning of shalom is good health. You will keep me in good health because my mind, I'm seeing the one who's invisible. The kingdom reality of wholeness. You can put right in there, you will keep me in harmony in all my relationships. That's another meaning of shalom. It's all related to where our mind is, what we are steadfastly thinking on, giving our attention to. What's one more meaning of shalom? Prosperity. Hey, provision on every level. It's ours because why? Because our mind, really what we give our attention to, where our focus is, that it has a lot to do with everything that's going on in our life. Father, I thank you that you're such an almighty God. Such an almighty God. I guess I got a declaration for you. Why don't you say this with me here? I'm setting my mind and I'm setting my heart on Jesus Christ. I repeat, the eyes of my heart are set on him. I shall endure. I shall persevere. I shall fulfill the destiny of heaven for my life, continuing to see and continuing to behold the one who is invisible to others, but whose beauty pervades my soul. Hallelujah. Whew. Blessings on every one of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.